Every leader has a strategy. Executing on that strategy is the challenge. If you want to learn how to effectively achieve what you've set out to accomplish, then this show is for you. Gain keen insights and listen in as leaders share their stories and challenges. Soar Vision Group and the Baldridge Foundation welcome you to Leader Dialogue Radio. Hello, everyone, and welcome again to Leader Dialogue, brought to you by Soar Vision Group and the Baldridge Foundation. I'm Duffy Dixon. Joining me is Jennifer Strahan. She is the Chief Operating Officer of Soar Vision Group, and Lisa Council, who is the Chief Commercial Officer. We are joined again this week by Nikki Buchanan. She is the General Manager of Population Insights and Care at Phillips. And we had you last time, Nikki, explain what population health is because that was a new term for me so explain that and what you do sure sure so population health management um, is kind of a way of thinking about treating patients um, it's been gaining traction over the past 10 years especially because of value-based care reimbursement um, it, it really is in its most simplest form taking care of patients in their most natural setting knowing that everyone has some condition in some way or will at some point in their life um, in many ways we treat them uh, from the wellness side and prevention side all the way to managing chronic conditions or even post-surgical type visits so looking for alternate ways other than just hospital visits and your you know once a year visits with your physician to create uh, opportunities for affinity of their care with the patient and the provider. So just a reminder for all of our listeners, but relative to what our discussion was last week, we talked about population health and how that really is a move towards consumerism in healthcare. And in particular, of course, that drives how are we meeting patients or consumers at whatever is most convenient for them, as opposed to it often being the other way around, which it has been for many, many years in healthcare. I, I even go back to thinking about house calls, for instance, that we mm-hmm. used to have, which was really right. much more of a consumerism type model than what we have today and of course on the other side of that though that leads in that leads us to think about the business model practicality of being able to do that right it's again it's a very different world from when that made sense and it's a much more complicated world and the way that we're driving through change and and thinking about what is convenient and allows us to be successful as an organization whether the ones providing care supporting organizations that provide care or not but what's interesting to me is that you guys have a lot going on in your role. So what are some of the ways that you guys as an organization really prioritize your areas of focus so that you can be successful? Well, I appreciate that question a lot. And I I reflect in the changes of population health management, uh, compare it often to what patients and providers went through when we evolved to electronic health records. Um, all of those same practices that we had to deal with with change management from going from documenting on paper to docu- documenting into an electronic system, um, all of those maturity things, those technology challenges, those adapting to different workflows, those those minutes of, you know, I've got to input this while the patient is right in front of me. How does that change the time I spend with them? All of those nuances have to be considered when you start to evolve to a different way of care. So we're right in the same circumstance with our providers and our communities community stakeholders that we were 10 years ago when we were adopting EMRs. We're having the same conversations again. And for those of us that have been in health IT, it feels oh like my goodness. everything comes around every four to 10 <laughs> years again, around, right? <laughs> so we're having to do all the change management stuff. We're having to do all the, this is an IT investment, but it's also a people investment. It's also a change in workflow investment. It's a best practice investment. 
all of these nuances mean you actually have to have a staff and a team available to you that understands all those nuances nuances but also understands how they come together and mm -hmm. how they feed each other so I feel like I'm repeating um, things from the past going through this again in, a, in this new setting but at the same time I feel like we learned a lot with that experience and so if I can relate that back to our community providers if I can relate that back to our health systems and say you need to treat it as a whole implementation right it's not a single faceted implementation people process and technology um, if we can have those conversations through the sales process then we actually um, find the right partners that are ready for that type of change um, and then into it you know inside our own organization I actually have to manage a supply chain group, mm -hmm. right? Because that's what's bringing the devices coming in and out for telehealth and extending the care to patients in the home. Um, I have to manage the software side, which is different development cycles, right? Different routines of releases and upgrades. I have to manage to our partners. So our partners are the EMR vendors out there and they go through updates, updates and system changes. I have to manage to the regulatory needs within the, the US healthcare system environment as well as our 13 other global markets that we you know help serve. So we have many different teams and many different departments and ensuring that the message is the same and the vision is being executed all the way down to the individual worker is often one of our biggest challenges. Uh, we have to have many town halls every quarter. We have to have a lot of written communication. Um, and at the same time, we have to keep it simple so that people, you know, we're competing with ban you know, for bandwidth in people's mind mm -hmm. and mind share at our company all of the time because Philips is amazing. It's the thirteenth most recognized brand in the world. That's awesome. But people think of us still as the light bulb company or the MRI company, right? All that great technology that that went from light bulbs into ways of serving patients and, and monitoring and seeing, you know, through imaging um, in an acute setting in a hospital. Now we're evolving all of that great technology to out of the hospital and ambulatory care. Getting that message through to our employees about why we're changing and why we're doing it um, is a constant challenge for us because we're distributed across 13 markets. And right. And SOAR Vision Group is all about that. When you go to leaderdialogue.com, you will see on that front page, we have the actual play-by-play -play book. It is the playbook, the template of what businesses need to do to be successful. And from the top is leadership, but at the bottom is all about getting it to the frontline workers. Yes. And that, I'm glad you said that is one of the, that is perhaps the biggest struggle because that's what we've talked about, but that has to happen, right? Absolutely. So if you think about, you know, SOAR in a nutshell is we're working through strategy execution because it seems so simple, right? You just set a goal and you're like, ah, just do it, do right? This. It's not right. a big deal. Yeah. But when you have organizations that are thousands or tens of thousands of people or sometimes even two, right? I mean, I think about like my household, me and my husband don't always get along. So there's a different perspective that you have to make sure your messaging is, is consistent. And that I love what you mentioned. It's simple and really it's repeatable. It's consistent. And mm -hmm. what you're doing is you're going all the way down and that it's always connected and aligned. And I think there's an element to that that becomes, uh, even if you do those things right, if you're doing too much, it becomes lost in so much busyness that you're instead it's like the you know the squirrel concept you're just kind of going to the next thing squirrel. but you never really close anything <laughs> yeah um, and I think that's very overwhelming for frontline team members I totally agree uh, the, the the right amount of content at the right time um, may be different per team and per department and really acknowledging that um, and then making sure you have the right leaders you know 
truly in all departments that are able to realize that you know i've i've had leaders say to me uh, you know we've got we've got indian development teams as an example and when they are on holiday they are on a massive holiday for mm-hmm. many weeks at a time we are not going to deliver a key change in our message or branding during those times of the year right so having having the the brave cultural response to understand your employees and what they are managing to and then making sure we're still all coordinated in our messages it it can be very challenging for sure and you know we we service customers over in australia there's a 14 hour time difference so sometimes I'm doing my town halls at 10 o'clock at night mm-hmm. in order to meet the time and you know the time frame because they still want to hear it directly from me often but I also want my management team to feel empowered to be able to deliver those messages as well um, and then you know there's another aspect of this too what do your customers say about you right again 146 year old company we've evolved many times we've gone all into healthcare in the past 10 years but if you talk to somebody who's known us from 15 years ago they can't help but start with they used to be the lighting company right because that's their first memory of us right it is our goal for our ceo that in the next 10 years there almost won't be a recollection of that simply because they want to be known as the healthcare tech company so that's a big rebranding initiative. And so I, I ask all our customers all the time because they use many facets of Philips. They use many different groups and consumer driven you know, parts of Philips. So I ask them all the time, what do you say when you say you're partnered with Philips? What is it that you describe us? How do you describe us? And I will tell you that is where we are the most challenged because depending on who they work with, depending on which products they've bought from us or what their patients use, they may have a very different view. Some of them may not even use the term pop health, which makes me cry mm-hmm. because I hope they know that about us, <laughs> right? but that's part of the job. And that's why, you know, there's a, there's a constant challenge in, in uh, adaptability that we need to be able to provide to the customer. Well, if it makes you feel any better when we talk about Philips, light bulbs did not come to my mind first. Great. Healthcare actually did. And when, whenever you guys said light bulbs, I'm like, oh yeah. yeah, yeah. Oh, <laughs> we're getting close. Oh, working, oh, right? Yes, thank you. Yes. Well, Thank you. Thank you. Imaging is always what I think of, but I think a broader audience would say the lighting industry for sure. So when you look at that overarching strategy and you've got lots of components that go to that, what's kind of a practical mechanism that you utilize with your teams? Yeah. Yeah. So my team, because of the expertise in pop health in the U.S. healthcare market, they they are often pulled into other sales discussions across the business. Um, I mean, keep in mind, we also sell you know, Norelco. We also sell, you know, the toothbrushes that are very popular, electronic. So there's Sonicare. There's all mm-hmm. these things that we do. So keeping my team focused on our message and our brand and what we're delivering to benefit healthcare um, is challenging. So, so we agree at the beginning of every year and then we monitor it every quarter to three main goals that we can support. And if anything comes at us as a request, as a request for our time, our money, our department focused, our our engineers or our supply chain people. If any of those come in and they don't match the three or influence the three, then I ask them, well, I, I enable them to actually say no. And I tell them that I will support them in the no, because sometimes in a big hierarchical mm-hmm. organization, it can re- keep on going up to another level and then mm-hmm. I can get a phone call. My only request, of course, is, is that they tell me that they said no, <laughs> uh, so that I'm prepared to support them. But I've found that 
that's not realistic. Three is really not what we can do. You know, there's a lot more time that we have to invest. And so we end up having other things that still fall on us. Mm -hmm. But the message is stay focused, deliver to your outcomes and your objectives, deliver to them in a quarterly basis. If we can't break them down in a quarter, then maybe the goal is actually too big and we're, we're striving too hard. Um, or it's also a good way for us to say, I'm getting asked so, to do so many other things outside of those three goals, then maybe we as a team haven't agreed change. on the right goals. Right, right. right. Constant and evaluation. Constant evaluation, which is why we try to, you know, we do our big strategic goals every year. Um, Phillips does the strategic plan of record every three years. And that is where all groups like myself have to put input our data, input our obligation to the market, what we're going to deliver, what revenue we're going to bring, how, you know, how far we forecast our ordering of equipment, et cetera well in advance but then we check it every year and then we check it down to every quarter um, and then of course just from a daily management perspective I've got a team who I meet with every Monday hour and a half it's sacred time everyone's expected to be there um, if we have you know conflicts in travel whatever it may be then we actually make the meeting earlier because that's my one request travel afternoon on Monday so that you can make our leadership meeting because I will share the above level Phillips requirements and I will share what our business is dealing with how important is it to you that that meeting be everyone in person? Um, we are a distributed team, so that's not uh, that's not feasible for us. Okay. Um, those that live in the Atlanta area are absolutely in the office for it, um, but we enable Skype. We use video technology. I, we do want to see each other, that's and we want to see yeah. each other's reactions mm -hmm. to to big big news. Mm -hmm. um, and I do feel like it makes the team feel closer as well. Um, but there's honestly just sometimes where you know they're in a hotel and the remote connection is not going to work, and so. They're not on video that day. They have their funny picture up instead. <laughs> <laughs> but it's, you know, it's it's ensuring the communication and ensuring we're all striving towards the right goals. Um, you know, every now and then the market will tell us the goals are wrong. Mm -hmm. And, you know, that actually happened to us last year. Um, it's okay if I share a little story. Absolutely. Yeah, we, love those. we were we were 100% focused on bringing telehealth, um, bringing the cost of telehealth down for our business so that we could pass that lower cost down to our customers. Um, that was the one complaint we had had in 2017 was it had gotten too expensive. And so while they were seeing the outcomes with patients that they were expecting, in order to order more advice, more devices and put those on demand meant, meant that they were having to pre-order and spend Cost, spend and costs up front that they weren't necessarily getting reimbursed for in time. So we looked at our strategy last year because this was becoming a common complaint when we were getting to renewals. And I said, hmm, maybe the market is telling us mm -hmm. that we're not, maybe we're not buying enough in bulk ahead of That's time. Right. We're Phillips. We should be able to make a bigger investment if that reduces. To bring the price down. That's right. That brings price down. So, so I had to go to our executive team and say, we've, we've got a problem. What I asked for in our spend is slightly less than what I need, but it's going to benefit the customer in the long run, and it's going to get the renewals that we did not expect to get this year because we've reduced the cost. And so as long as you can give the full story and, you know, mm -hmm. make that call, but that was not something we went into 2019 or 2018 expecting at all. And it, and it really did, you know, cause us to pause a little bit and think about, how do we avoid this next year and what are the things we're not even thinking about now that we should be thinking about that we may have to make additional requests on so you know it, that only comes with experience and time and working together as a team but if you're listening to the distractors of your three objectives mm -hmm. then you find they actually 
they tell you what to do next. Right. They point you in a different direction. One of the things I love is what you're talking about, and again, relating this back to our hierarchy, is if you notice the, the foundation, which is intentional in that hierarchy, is colleague engagement, which means they have to know what to work on, and then we have to be able to support them to be able to, to do it well, right? Yes. Saying no is a huge thing that we often talk about, but we don't really empower people to do it because some it's hard to say no to good ideas. Um, and so this aligns in a lot of ways with uh, a book that we have referenced a lot, which is Great at Work with Morton Hansen. And so in the midst of this, that allows you to, it, they, uh, he talks about how do you do less than obsess, right? So it, organizations and people who go through the process just doing a lot and staying very busy, they might be busy, but they're not necessarily getting results mm -hmm. because you're doing too much to be able to really do anything well. And I love that that's kind of the messaging of what you do. And by empowering people to say no, it allows you to really take advantage of right in between customer value and and um, colleague engagement and that hierarchy is organizational effectiveness. So it's intentionally sandwiched between that because if you don't create a structure and an operating model that supports it, you're going to create uh, very frustrated staff and then you're going to create very frustrated customers. So Absolutely. it also builds into listening to that voice of customer, which you guys have done so well. Yeah, we, we have a customer advisory council um, and you know, we, we meet with them four times a year to get their input. And you know, that is another thing. It's another opportunity for us to say, we need you to know where we've pivoted. We need you to hear what our th top three things are. We need you to know where we hope to be in three years. When you're really candid with your customers, especially if they're in a state of change, they're in a state of flux, it really does help neutralize difficult conversations. So, you know, we have had customers who have said to us, we are probably not going to be able to continue in partnership together anymore because you've shared your, your vision, we've got our objectives, and we see they're actually going two different ways, but it doesn't mean we don't get along and we wouldn't reference each other in the future. So you end up actually amicably separating, mm -hmm. but you do it in a way that you can explain it. They have a message that they can tell other customers still, and they'll still often be a reference, which is shocking, right? Yes, we used to use them. Why Why are you telling me about your, your former usage? Well, because they were transparent with us and they told us they're not gonna be aligned to our message anymore. That is a trustworthy organization for you to partner with, and that's why we're comfortable referencing them. That to me is you know, the epitome of a strong customer partnership relationship, um, but it's also a challenge, right, to be honest and to be bold and to say, you know, Philip sees us going in this direction this year and maybe slightly different than what we originally contracted with you for. Um, but I feel like it neutralizes conversations, and if we could do that more in business, we would mm -hmm. actually have long-term partnerships evolve over time in a much more healthy way. Absolutely. One of the things that we've talked about with some of our recent CEO innovation councils was that connection point in the critical alignment between strategy as well as your operating mechanisms and then structural integration because your strategy gives you your direction, right? And your operating mechanisms really enable an agile organization to respond to that direction and or market changes. But at the same time, you have to have a level of stability, which comes from that structural integration to make sure that you're, you're staying grounded in what it is that you should be so that you're not responding to everything. Because if you're just responding with direction and without any kind of structure, then that becomes, you know, again, that squirrel mentality mm -hmm. versus if you're just constantly going through um, anything, you 
just have a strategy, but you don't have the operating mechanisms and the structure of support. It's just wishful thinking. So it really does require the alignment of all three of those things to be able to do it. But I think they're all hard. And I think different organizations struggle with different aspects of those. Can you speak to maybe if you guys have had any kind of struggles on more than one than the other? Oh, sure. So, you know, Phillips across across North America um, has many different divisions, right? We've got monitoring. We've got the consumer business. We've got many different ways that we're pulled as leaders to meet the business demand of our customer. Um, We have strategic account management across the entire, you know, North American teams. And often what those North American teams are trying to pitch for future discussions uh, may actually contradict our message in Pop Health. So, for example, um, many institutions are looking for ways to increase their fee for service, mm-hmm. right? Because that's how they're getting paid. Mm-hmm. We are in direct contrast with that when trying to bring Pop Health strategies to a business to say you should be paying your physicians on quality and how they're monitoring their patients, not if they're having repeated vis- visits with patients because they weren't monitoring them over time. So, you know, we have these direct internal mm-hmm. conflicts that we have to often resolve. Um, and we'll often walk into sometimes a shared meeting with a customer and almost display two different messages and have to, as leaders, acknowledge that we've done so and try to bring it back, right? Try to bring it back to, I mean, we're still all in this together, right, as, a, as an organization. But then you also have to think, how did we, how did we let this happen in front of a customer? Mm-hmm. We need to go back and actually do better at pre-planning. We need to go back and get better at aligning our messages, even when they slightly contradict, because there is room for both a fee-for-service service, reimbursement, financial model, as well as taking on value-based care. But do you understand the organization you're working with in order to do so? So we'll have internal sales conflicts, internal account management conflicts. And then, of course, there's always internal delivery and operational conflicts as well. Because what if an MRI MRI machine is going to be delayed uh, for, let's say, three months because tariffs in China have impacted the import? but yet we're in the middle of doing a telehealth implementation. We're going to be on site talking to those clinicians and we're gonna be hearing the gripes of what's happening because of that delay. Is everyone on the team aware of our internal large organization scalability challenge right now? And are they delivering the same message? So for us, it's a lot lot of different um, focus areas getting distributed over a large employee base and then not having the consistent message to the customer. Um, Or, you know, even us leaders walking into it ourselves sometimes. Um, But, you know, as long as you're honest and candid with the the customer, you can resolve a lot of that. But pre-planning to enable that our messages don't contradict is is an area that we can all grow in across any type of large organization like Phillips. It reminds me a lot of what a lot of our hospitals talk about today is having kind of a foot in two canoes, right? Yes. So you've got your fee for, fee for service, service and then you pay for performance. Exactly, mm-hmm. pay for performance. Uh, and the, I think I've shared this before, but the analogy that comes to mind, the story that comes to mind was with Amazon whenever they decided to do Prime, for instance, they knew that they were going to take a hit in their financials because of obviously the savings that yeah it's great for I mean I'm excited about it Um, but at the same time it was a it was a struggle for a business and they had to decide again it's that tug exactly as you're referencing where it might be that we're going to take kind of a short-term hit for a long-term gain but that's hard in healthcare, and I think we see that and I would imagine that's a struggle you guys encounter in trying to create that common vision with your clients or customers absolutely and and you just you know you just hit on another one Um, we all have different regulatory requirements depending on our business 
business as well. Um, so something that seems so simple, right? The deploying the deployment in a dental practice of the Sonicare toothbrushes, right? It, if a governmental regulation prevents that from happening in any way, when I walk into that practice, they still see me as the Phillips representative. I have nothing to do with the Absolutely. consumer side of the you business. You need to get a t-shirt. I do not. Do, I am not yes. in the toothbrush division. But she, but she represents. It's but I represent the brand. Yeah. I represent the brand right. and the and the name. So yeah. you know that that happens for all of the the business leaders across Phillips. We you know oh she's the pop health girl. You know don't yeah. talk about reimbursement yeah. with her. You know yeah. she'll get really defensive about her business. But yes, so we I mean, we absolutely see that you know that those challenges happen all the time. Well, and from our for our audience perspective, you know, we talk about Baldridge, and again, consumerism, um, colleague engagement, leadership. You, it's kind of expanded with the larger Phillips. Dang. Your challenges. Yes. Um, you also bring um, some experience in Lean Six Sigma to the table. Yeah. Have you been able to leverage that oh, with definitely. your teams? And again, we yeah. we believe that the Baldridge framework is so successful. Whether you're a small business, uh, medium sized business, mm -hmm. large business, again, it's an operating system yes. um we'd love to hear how yeah. you again you may not be on the baldridge journey right. um but what have you done that's very similar to that operating yeah fair question and you know this is one of the things i love so much about phillips as an organization um, they require that all of their leaders have some form of lean six sigma yellow belt green belt whatever it may be to be in a leadership role um, that is a wonderful thing if you think about it because it does, again, neutralize our objectives, right? It neutralizes us to know that we all have a certain foundation and understanding on how, how to run things, whether it be a business or just even just a, a department. Um, the, another thing I love about Phillips is they have always had a business transformation team. And there are times, like I described to you back in 2018, where we saw the cost of our you know, supplies outweighing what contracts could actually support. Um, so I, you know, touched base with the business transformation team to say, hey, give us a different way to look at this. You know, help, we'll, we'll open our books, we'll, tr we'll share everything we can, but come in and give us some really good suggestions. You know, I, it can't always just be change the price, mm -hmm. right? There's got to be other things that we could have been doing to prevent this or see this coming. Um, and so they enable a business transformation person to come in and actually evaluate. So then you end up, you know, walking through and documenting, here's our current state. Well, you know, anytime you document your current state and share it with everyone, somebody in the room says, that's not your Correct. current right. state. That's right. There's Some, not unanimous agreement. There's, and, and, then, and then you strive for consensus, right? And then you strive for, okay, what should be the future mm -hmm. state? What should be the current state? Let's strive to get there. And wow, now we see our gaps. Now we see our opportunities for improvement. We may agree that there's no way we can improve them this quarter, but we can put a plan in place to do it over six, nine, 12 months. So, you know, it's that kind of, if you can be honest and transparent within your business practice and then enable people who can solely focus on that single problem or challenge, because I don't have time as the general manager, you know, managing different groups. Right. I can't focus that even though I'd love to, I'd love to get into the details. It's so great to have someone who's trained to be able to come in and do that. That is huge. It's that is huge in business because that means, first of all, there's trust, that's right. right? That's right. And on your part, there is transparency and I guess I would say confidence that you don't you don't worry about a fresh set of eyes. Right. It's going because in the back of your mind, it's going to benefit everyone. Yes. That is a big ask for leaders because we've talked about 
leaders who don't want to delegate. They right. don't want anyone look, looking in with a microscope. They don't want to be questioned on their decisions. And that's just, that can be deadly to the whole operation. Mm -hmm. So that's, that's huge. Right. And just for our listeners, as a reminder, when we talk about Lean Six Sigma, that really is a problem solving methodology that allows people to look at whatever type of problem. Right. It doesn't have to be a process. It can be a process. It can be other things that are more analytical or anything that is a challenge for an organization or at home. Right. I know because it's <laughs> practical. So in the midst of it, though, it's what is the problem solving we can do to improve our quality and our efficiency to bring maximum value to our customers? And that's what it drives from. And so, but Duffy, you mentioned such a critical point, which is it's not just about someone coming in and feeling like they're being policed, right? It's got right. to be. because It's a partnership. Yeah. Anytime you're looking at a, anything, a process or a division, it you know, somebody put that in play. So someone's going in calling someone's baby ugly, and that is hard <laughs> to deal with. So you have to make sure that in the midst of that, that we're doing it in a way that really brings it together and saying, hey, how do we build on what we've done, right. but also not be stuck where we're at? Yeah. Right. And the common goal. Mm -hmm. The common goal is it's that it's better on the other more side. Efficiency. Yeah, more efficient. Yeah. Yes, the outcome is improved because of the transparency and the openness and the coaching. I mean, it's it's professional coaching. Right. It goes back to the premise of culture and how important that is for any organization. And that's so much more difficult to manage and, and align in large organizations, especially yes. mergers and, and companies that have come together from very different cultures and how they start to... Um, to come together as a unified company and globally I mean that's yeah. just huge yes, um, if people didn't listen listen to last week's podcast I really want you to because this is a woman who is dealing with people across the globe not only different time zones but different cultures and what how they look at health care and what's important to them I mean that is just I really, I, I worry for your sanity as, <laughs> as the years, as the years go on, your brain may just explode, but really that is just a whole new perspective and, and going to the World Health Organization, that's, um, yeah, that's that's the top of the chain that really is it's very very impressive well thank you thank you so just to wrap up some of the discussions because this time always just flies by but obviously very much appreciate you being able to share your wisdom with us and hopefully your brain doesn't explode quite yet because we, <laughs> we have yeah, a little bit need, more to we're get gonna, from we're going to need that for a while <laughs> you just hold on to it but in the midst of that thinking about how population health really is a driver towards consumerism but in order to actually get there you have to be able to engage and align your your incompetence colleagues, your employees, and respond quickly to your customers. And being able to do that, there's all of those different elements that are challenges for businesses to overcome. But the good news is that there are ways to do it. So that's an exciting time for us. Nikki, thank you. This has been so fun. Yeah, it's thank been you. great. And so uh, we want you to keep in track with what we're doing. Again, Jennifer mentioned that we have a rural health um, CEO roundtable that's coming up Exciting. in November and we um, almost have our entire slots filled which is super exciting mm -hmm. again we think uh, also kind of bringing healthcare where you are is mission critical and we really are trying to partner with those health health systems who want to remain independent and not get gobbled up by the large um, urban mm -hmm. hospitals mm -hmm. and really deliver care and those physicians who know that generation of a family I think is super important so thank you for all the hard work that you're doing um, you. we'd love to partner with you in the future um, and maybe even have you on our speaking circuit and bring you into one of our events so thank you again for participating it's been a pleasure thank if you so much if she's speaking I'm coming she's she's fun yeah, <laughs> yeah I, I say every week I say every 
every time we do this, we need to bring we need to bring him back. We need to bring her back. I'm just co- I'm, I'm compiling a list just so you guys know. Thank you so much. Also, thank you so much to our listeners for joining us on Leader Dialogue, brought to you by the Soar Vision Group and the Baldridge Foundation. Remember, you can listen to a live show every Friday, one o'clock Eastern time. I'm not going to ask you what that would be in Australia. I can't do the math. <laughs> uh, you could also visit businessradiox.com, click on the Gwinnett Studio, and select our show titled Leader Dialogue, or you can also go to leaderdialogue.com slash podcast. On behalf of Jennifer, Lisa, and our producers Trey and Mike, I'm Duffy Dixon. Join us next time on Leader Dialogue here on Business Radio X. 